Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right. Kids, you can be uh, dismissed. Oh. I guess it's the first time I've ever used a mic. So, Kids, you can be dismissed. Big kids, little kids, as long as you're third grade and under. <laughs> I always have to remind myself that I'm not a kid. I don't get to leave, you know? Like, yeah. Oh. You want to flip on the lights back there, Peyton? <clears throat> it was an early morning. And he was sitting there. He was sitting where he always sat. Nothing different from how, uh, how he, he normally lived. He, he did this every single day, begging to be able to make ends meet, hoping that somebody would have pity on him to be able just to spare a little bit of extra cash. Unfortunately, this man was born blind, and he had had no ability to see, he had no ability to work, and, and the culture that he lived in saw it somehow that the, the, what had happened to him had to have been either a sin that his parents had done or a sin that his grandparents had done or some, some point along the line, a sin that God just deemed unredeemable. It had to have been that. That has to be why he couldn't see. That has to be why he was blind. That's why he, he couldn't work. That has, it has to be something along those lines. Something, something that his family did against God. Something that could not be brought back. But something was different in the air this morning. There was some kind of stir happening. I mean, he couldn't see what was going on, but he could hear People were excited for some reason. Everybody around him was just joyful. And he didn't know why. And then he heard, he heard the name. He heard Jesus. He heard that Jesus was coming to town. But it was more than that. He specifically heard the disciples standing around him, having a conversation about the exact dilemma that he had found himself in every single day. They were discussing amongst themselves, as if he wasn't even there, who had sinned, who had done wrong, and the man is sitting right there. You find the story in John chapter 9. It's right at the beginning of this gospel. And Jesus answers it in the most miraculous and restoring way ever. That it has nothing to do with the sin, but it has everything to do with what God could do through it. And so Jesus, in his wonderful way, kneels down to the ground and spits into the dirt and stirs it up in a very unsanitary way, rubs it on his face. And the man then goes into the pool and is healed. 
And he goes and tells everybody, I've been healed. I can see. I'm walking around. It's, it's good. And nobody believes him, saying you know, that he must, have, he must have been tricking us from the beginning, or he, there's no way that this is the same man. And then other people are like, no, this, this is the same guy. So over the week, we kept getting text after text. You know, we went like two or three weeks on our, text, our prayer text line, maybe getting one in, in that span. And this last week, I couldn't even keep up with relaying the messages and, and making sure that everybody was being prayed for and making sure that things like today were going to be covered with the unfortunate situation of, of David Nice and their family. And it was just an overwhelming week. And when I started praying over what to be speaking about, it clearly was this idea of being restored. So I hear the word restored, and I think of this word restored, and, and I personally, I, back when I had more time and less kids, um, we, we loved to like, go and, and find like, random like, furniture that nobody wanted anymore, and that were like a weird color, or uh, were broken, or uh, you know, taken apart, or whatever, and we would you know, sand it down, strip it down, and then repaint it, or uh, fix it, or you know, turn it into something that it wasn't supposed to be, and uh, make, it, make it work for us. And, and we loved doing that. We really enjoyed doing that. Casey and I really just had a good time kind of bringing life back to something that you know, people had like, put out on the curb. Or I don't know if we were supposed to technically take them, but, um, but they, you know, we just pretended to be trash men. <laughs> and so, um, and we found a lot of great things that way. We, we did realize in the time of doing this restoration stuff that uh, you don't take things that have cushions that are on the curb because there's, there's no restoring that uh, or, uh, or beds. We didn't, we never got into the bed industry. Um, wood, that was our main one, you know, like if it was wooden, uh, or you know something along metal, those kind of things. Then we would then we would restore it. I had I had some great friends while in college that loved to restore uh, cars. I remember one particular friend who, while living in the dorms, loved restoring cars so much that he actually somehow brought the majority of his car into the dorm room and was working on it in the dorm room, like repairing his his turbo or repairing the car, you know, whatever like he was into at that moment. And it was always a mess. He was the kind of guy that always had, you know, grease all over his hands, and, and his shirts were always messed. And uh, but he, that's what he loved to do. He just loved to restore cars, and uh, and he always hoped that his roommate did too. He switched roommates a lot, um, but that was what he was into. And he still to this day he's into doing that, into restoring old cars. But here's the thing: is you would never go to like a toddler and be like, "Hey, will you uh, will you restore this?" piece of furniture, or will you help me restore this engine um, back to the way? Now, you might have them, like, watch, and, and, like, you know, like, go get me something, like, maybe not a toddler, you know, but, like, five-year-old, six-year-old, like, go, go get me something, let me show you how to use it, but you would never just be like, here's this, get to work type of thing. And sometimes, in, in our walk in Christianity, we're kind of that, that five, six-year-old that kind of just needs to be, like, brought along, like, Here's how we restore people. Here's how we become restored. And sometimes we're thrown into the midst of it, and we're just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how 
I don't know how to sprout new. I don't know how to, I don't know how to present joy. I don't, I don't know how to, how to speak life into somebody's pain right now. And sometimes God's just like, just, just come along. Like, I'll bring, I'll bring you along with me. So, so today, I, like I said, I wanted to kind of talk on this idea of being restored or kind of this rest or this being renewed kind of idea. And there's three things that I, I want to point out that I want to talk about today. And the first one is this idea of this blind man being healed, like this kind of this physical restored, physical restoration, physical rest idea. The second one that, that we're going to talk about is how we, as humans, interact with other humans and how we're supposed to restore others. Sometimes it's hard um, because other humans, not us, you know, right? Other people have, have things that it's hard for us to, to be around. Other, peop- other people are weird. Not us, right? They're, they're weird. Other people are weird. I'm just kidding, right? We, we sometimes project that, and that's, how, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. And then the third and final one is how we become restored, how we find rest, how we have restoration in Christ, the source that we so badly need. So this blind man in John chapter 9 was being pushed and prodded about whose sin was at fault. We talked about that right off the bat. You know, who's, who's at fault? We love that. We always want to find out who is at fault. And it's something in us that we just, if we can place blame on somebody, then it makes us feel better. I don't know why. I do it. Where I'm just like, but who put this here? Like, who put the Lego on the ground that I had to step on? Like, who did this? Why is it here? You know, those kind of things. Not, like, obviously, I could just pick it up and and not step on anymore, but I need to find out who's at fault for me hurting my foot. I don't know why we do it, but we do that, and they were doing that. They were trying to place blame on somebody. This has to be somebody's fault. This has, that, give us answers that make us feel better so that way we can avoid that particular sin so we don't end up blind, so that our you know, descendants don't end up blind. Tell us which one it is. So that way we can keep checking off the list that they loved so much. And Jesus comes along in this story, and he just kind of crack op- cracks open this whole idea that it has nothing to do with whose sin. It has nothing to do with, with sin in, the, in and of itself. This whole idea that Jesus just busts open is that it is all for the glory of God. And for me, I just kind of go to this place where I'm like, yeah, but who sinned? Like, I know Jesus, I get it. Like, I know that it brings, like, this will bring you glory. I know, I get it. But like, who? Who did it? Who put the Lego here? Why is this man this way? Why do we have these problems? And Jesus just says, it doesn't matter. Because God will receive glory today. And I mean, obviously, we could track all this back to the book of Genesis. And we could track it all the way back to the original sin. 
And we can just clearly say, like, that's why this man is blind. You know, that's why there's problems in the world. That's why there's sin in the world. It's because of the one sin, the one time, the first time that they chose to defy what God was calling them to do. But Jesus doesn't even go that far. He, he doesn't get into all of that because it doesn't matter to Jesus. It doesn't matter to the Son of God. What matters to the Son of God is bringing glory to God. And so often in our life, we get so caught up in, in the sin and the problems and the hurt and the pain that we forget that point. You know, Paul writes it like this in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, And know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So going through the hard things of life, they aren't easy. You know, this man didn't have it easy being blind. He really didn't even have it easy when he was made to be able to see. You know, he still had things that he had to go through. He had a whole life of no work skills at this point in a culture that just kind of, you know, saw him as, uh, as an unclean sinner. And somebody along the line was an unclean sinner. And so God doesn't call us to this, this life, this Christian walk, to have it easy. He doesn't call us to this Christian walk to, to kind of have the, the door open for us and, and the, the path made simple. But he does call us to just constantly being, bring glory to God. The value isn't placed upon the fault. The value is placed upon what glory is brought in the restoration. You know, in your life, you might have these stories of where just miraculous things. Like, I love those stories of uh, you talk to, like, people in the medical field or, or people that just had some kind of, like, life-altering surgery, and you talk to them about how, you know, the doctor, in essence, said that there was nothing they did. Like, they, they in essence, just counted them out. They were, they were done. And, uh, and it just had everything to do with God. And it's in those moments where it had nothing to do with the hurt or the pain or the surgery. It had everything to do with what God was able to do in it all. Well, like I said, we're gonna, we talked about the blind man having restoration. The next thing that we're going to talk about is how we, as Christians, interact in restoring others. If you want to flip to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. I didn't, uh, they're not, they won't be up here. So uh, if you have phones or uh, paper Bibles, or if your neighbor does, then, uh, then you can utilize that. Or if you have the ability to listen and, uh, and process, then, then I'll be reading it for you. you know, we're not going to spend quietly reading here. But go ahead and flip to that. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgressions, You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Okay. So as Christians, let's kind of break down what Paul is saying here. So as Christians, as as believers of Christ, as followers of the way, as those that have decided to, to take Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are supposed to see people 
see their shortcomings, and not in a way where we say we've never failed like you, but instead in a spirit of gentleness, in a spirit of love and kindness, we're supposed to go to them and show them how, how it was wronged or how it fell short of the glory of God, but all while keeping a watch on ourselves so that way we don't become temp- tempted. In fact, I can't, I can't think of a single person, so we ourselves are wrong and sinful, and I can't think of a single time in the Bible where anybody was perfect. I mean, one. I can't think of a normal Bible story other than Jesus where that person was perfect. And when we have, you know, we have story upon story. We have stories like Peter. You know, Peter is a perfect, perfect person to uh, kind of identify with if you, uh, if you feel like you just keep falling short all the time. Peter denies Jesus after living for three years with him. He denies that he even knows him has no desire to, to connect to him. And then, you know, then he's restored in that boat. And then don't forget about, you know, David. I mean, great David, a man that, that Scripture claims is a man after God's own heart. He has a short falling with Bathsheba. And then goes even like a crazy step further and has the husband killed. And I mean, it's just like piles upon piles of like getting worse. And you're just like, Okay. I mean, not everybody's perfect. I mean, both of those examples show us how faithful followers, both of those are talked about in the book of Hebrews as people who have, uh, have the faith, the hope of heaven, can not only fall into sin, but more importantly, can be restored to their former position of obedience to God. It's beautiful to see these patterns over and over and over again in Scripture because it allows us to know that we have a story to be redeemed. But do we have that same perspective all the time? Are we willing to look to people for who God sees them as? Are we willing to see people as the way that that God sees them as committed believers? Maybe it's because you know, their story isn't over yet. Maybe you're just kind of catching them in the middle of what God is doing in their life. You see, the difference between those biblical accounts and the stories of our friends or our neighbors who maybe are hurting us or who are falling short, and you just see them over and over again making the same mistakes, the stories in the Bible are complete. We have, we have the ability to look at a specific book and chapter and verse and say, that's where we find the story in its entirety. And maybe it spans over multiple books. Maybe it spans over multiple chapters. But we're able to see from beginning to end, you know, stories like Jonah, who if you would have seen Jonah at any point in Jonah's story, you would have been like, man, this guy just doesn't love God. What is he doing? You know, if Jonah would have at any point told somebody along the way his story, they would have just been like, you clearly just don't understand who God is. Like, why don't you just follow what God is calling you to do? And we would have been just, whose sin? Whose fault is this? And we all would have just pointed to Jonah. It's Jonah's fault. Jonah's making this bad choice. But we're able to see the entirety of the story, the ending of the story where Jonah redeems himself and he brings the city of Nineveh back to, to God, or brings them to God, not back to God, but brings them to God. 
for some reason, it's harder to see victory because we don't know the end story for people. We get so wrapped up in the now for people's life. We don't, we have no ability. I mean, one, we don't really have an ability to see what God is going to do, but we just don't even put faith in that God will do something in the long run. Maybe we have a hard time envisioning how God could or will ever use them. Or maybe we have trouble hanging in there and the consequences that inevitably come with sin. We kind of cast our own burdens and judgments on people. But either way, turning our back on somebody who just desperately needs to be restored and to have that gentleness talked into them is a huge mistake. And it's not what the Bible teaches us at all. It's not what Christ calls us to do. It's not what Christ himself did. And Christ went into the midst of, of the mud and the, the, the struggles and the troubles, the uncleanliness, and was right there with them. Our, our one job is to guide those who have made mistakes back to their purpose in Christ. To know that mistakes and things that have set you apart aren't forever. When a person is caught in sin, it's tough for him or her to see reality. It can seem that there is no hope or no way out. They have sized up and judged only, they're sized up and judged only by what they've done wrong, but not by the purpose that they have in Christ. And that's where we get to come in. You know, we get to come in with this gentleness and this love and this mercy that Christ gave to us, right? On the cross, while we were still sinners. And we get to go to him, or we get to go to them through him to bring them that mercy and that gentleness. And we have a job to do. So look back at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 again, before we move on. Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgressions, if anyone's caught in any sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So the third and final part that we're going to talk about is actually that last little part that Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 talks about. So we've processed this idea of physical hurt, physical pain, and then, and then we had the liberty of talking about other people and their shortcomings. And now we're going to talk about our own. We're going to talk about where we fall short and where we need to be restored and where we have personal burdens and hurt and pain that we just can't sometimes get over. The last and final style of restoration is being restored towards God. You know, Emma read that passage at the end of Matthew chapter 11, and so I just actually wanted to read kind of the entirety of, uh, of what that part was about. So Matthew chapter 11, and it's verses uh, 20. He says, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of the mighty work works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethesda, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyra and Sidon, they would have, repent, or they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, 
it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have, would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And uh, Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Father chooses to reveal him. Then he says the verse that we, we read at the beginning, Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, and I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find, test, you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I wanted to read the whole part of that scripture and, and show you how Jesus, within that section, verses 20 to 30, it's talking about this whole idea of repentance and restoration. Here's the thing is I could go on and on about all of this idea, but I feel like there's a video that, um, it's an older video. It's made by a group of people um, called One Time Blind, and it's a really amazing skit that just kind of shows exactly what we go through in our minds and the whole time what Jesus is calling out to us. So let's watch this video. Hey, Kat. Jesus. Oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, I didn't expect to see you here. Whoa, what's that smell? That smell? Oh, um, well, that's my trash. I just, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Oh, well, is that why you've been avoiding me? Avoiding you? I, I, I haven't really been avoiding you. I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to get close to you. I mean, I, I just, I don't want you to smell it. I'll take it, Kat. Come oh, on. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. I mean, I made it. It's my trash. You know, I should carry it. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, but Kat, I mean, this is my job. Right. I take people's trash. That's what I do, so. Right, okay. Well, maybe I could go and just clean it up a little bit, you know, and then I'll just, I'll come back. No, Kat, I don't need you to do that. Um. Okay, I'll take it from you so you don't have to carry the weight. Oh, well, I. Come on. Uh, just, uh, just hand it over. Uh, all, right? all right, let go. Let go. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, How's that feel? Weird. Wow. That is crazy. Right. Just loosen it up a Whoa, little bit. check that out. I don't know if I've ever moved like that before. Well, I mean, that is crazy. I just, I feel so free and alive. I, it's I mean, the lack of trash. Whoa, it's just like, this is the craziest feeling I have ever had. I just, it's like something's missing, you know? Well, I, I just, Get used um, I, to feeling free, because that's yeah. what you are now. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, what okay. are you doing? I just, I gotta get one thing, okay? Hold on just a minute Get here. one thing? No, 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 don't open the bag! Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I really appreciate all that you've done for me. What's going on here, Kat? What? Look, I'll take the trash, but you need to put that back. 
Oh, um, no, actually, um, that's okay. This is mine. It's my piece. I want to keep it. No, it goes right back in the bag, so I'll help you. Here, no, 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 put no, it no. here. No, Jesus, I, I need to remind myself not to make more trash. I mean, that just Kathleen, makes sense. Kathleen, I will remind you not to make more trash, oh, okay? Oh, well, Jesus, you know... That's what I do. I mean, we'll walk together. I know, but I should be in a better place than this by now. I mean, I just, I'm constantly doing things wrong, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm constantly letting you down. No, the only thing that's letting me down is, is, is you taking the stuff back. Okay. Look, I took care of the trash before you even created oh. Look, don't you see what's happening? Every time I take your trash away, you come back and, and take another piece. And the more pieces you carry around, the more trash you attract. It reeks. Cat. when I look at you, I don't see your sin. I see you. The real you, the free you. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I died for. Jesus, I'm sorry. I just, please forgive me. I've already forgiven you. The question is, will you forgive yourself? So, I don't know what in your life you need to be restored from. You know, I don't know if it's the, the beginning side of stuff, it's the physical healing that might need to take place. You know, the physical healing of maybe losing a loved one, maybe a physical healing of, of actual illness that you have going on. I, I don't know if that's where you are. I don't know if you have healing or restoration that needs to happen with somebody that, that you are close to or somebody that you know. I mean, Scripture specifically says that for us to, to come to time of worship, we must not have anything that we are uh, being burdened by with, with other believers. And maybe that needs to happen in your life, where you need to restore yourself to somebody that, uh, that you've kind of started distancing yourself from, and you've started um, creating those barriers. Or maybe it's this last topic. Maybe you have some restoration that needs to happen, some, some piece of trash that you are still holding on to, for whatever reason, you know, maybe you're like the girl and you use that line, well, I just want to remember how much I, lo- how much I came from. I'm just going to keep this one thing so that way I, I remember how far I came. It's not a big deal. I mean, in comparison to what I gave up, this one thing isn't that big. But even God is just saying, just give it all. I want, I want you to be fully restored in me. I want you to come back and be completed, and be made whole, and you can't be made whole with this little thing staying a part of you. And so I don't know where you are this morning, and I don't know what your week has been like, and I don't know what burdens that you have going on, and I don't know what things you feel are are holding you down, but I pray that you see the cross that Jesus died on as a way for you to find rest as a way for you to find healing and a way for you to find restoration. I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come up, and, and we're going to worship. And I, I hope that you see an opportunity in, in this moment to, to be restored in, in what Christ is calling us to. Let's pray. Father, I, I come to you after a week of just um, lots of things going on as a family, and uh, lot, lots of loss, and lots of hurts, and some good, good reports of tests and some um, bad reports of tests. And 
We just give it all over to you. We pray for physical healing as a, as a church. We pray for uh, us to be, to be seen, uh, for us to be able to see how your glory is being made new through that. I also pray for those that need to, uh, to be restored to others and that they seek those opportunities and that they use your spirit to, to be renewed and to, to have courage and to have the words to say exactly what need to be said in gentleness and in love. And then, Father, I finally I pray for us as a group that we are giving it all over to you, that we don't keep anything back and that we just are restored in your spirit. Father, I love you and I know everyone in here dearly loves you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning as we sing about Christ? I'm always excited to uh, take a trip somewhere for three or four days or more, but maybe not for the reason, one of of the reasons might not be what you would expect. I'm always thinking, this will be great. I can get out there and live the heroic Spartan life that I've always wanted to live, even if it's just for a few days. I can get up early and read my Bible first thing several times a day if I want. I can spend real time in prayer. I can get some exercise every day. That'll make me feel good. Heck, I could even do two a day, maybe. I can eat nothing but food that's good for me. Get rid of that junk food. Eat to live, not live to eat, you know? So usually the first thing I do at the campsite in the mountains or forest or lakeside or wherever is get out a lawn chair, kick back and have a Coke and some potato chips. (laughs) Why not? I'm on vacation. Come on, relax. Next day I get out a novel and read more for more time than I planned because, hey, it's an exciting story. I've got to know what happens next. I see the Bible only out of the corner of my eye. Walking for exercise, only if if there's a destination in mind of some sort. Good healthy food that's good for you. I wonder if the Brown Bear Cafe in Silverton qualifies. That's That's about as close as I came to health food this last trip. The fact is I'm less able to live the heroic Spartan life I'd like when I'm away from it all than when I'm here. I think that's because what Jacob said last week is true. Jesus isn't made unclean by contact with unclean people in need of healing. No, he heals them, forgives them, strengthens them. The cross isn't made dirty by contact with sinful people. Quite the contrary. Here at the cross and in the word of God and in church, is the power to make, th- make a better person 
or the power to make the best of whatever situation exists. The potential, the potential to make that better person we want to be is in contact with Christ in everyday life and in church, not in getting away from it all. Hearing the bread that represents the body of Jesus and the red juice that represents his blood, we have a close contact with him that we can draw forgiveness and the power to be better from. Let us pray.